0: Hey Parker, this is Warming Signs, a podcast with the sound minds of science. This week's episode is near and dear to my heart. Now, you probably already know that I started as a local TV meteorologist before I came to the Weather Channel and eventually made my way here to weather.com. Switching jobs isn't that unusual, but my journey has been. Just reporting on the weather without getting into the Climate and major environmental disasters wasn't enough for me. That's what brought me here. I wanted to be able to go beyond the daily forecasts and talk about something that matters to me and should matter to all of us climate change. And it happens, I'm in good company. Bernadette Woods Flackey and Jeff Berardelli did the same thing. They joined me this week to talk about why the forecast is only half the story and the importance of the big picture. Jeff, Bernadette, thank you so much for joining me on Warming Signs. I um, had this kind of zany idea for a podcast episode. And I talked to you a little bit about this, about my own experience was kind of weird to go from being a TV meteorologist talking about the weather every day to talking about climate change almost every day. And I realized, hey, I know some other people who had a similar story. Mm -hmm. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you for having us. So I guess we'll start with Bernadette. What is, in a brief summary, and then maybe we can dive in, your story? Because you were a TV meteorologist, and now you work for Climate Central. So I guess the
1: quick summary is, yes, I had 15 years of operational weather forecasting, most of it on television. And then about six years ago, this month actually, I made the transition over to Climate Central. And it was a big transition. Fortunately, I am still dealing with TV meteorologists across the country. So some of that carries over. But in my day-to-day life, I went from working a TV schedule as most of you know which is very 24/7 odd hours constantly in the middle of every storm to now working from generally 9 to 5 in an office that's not quite what? as loud
0: amazing yeah, and,
1: and not quite as loud or energetic I would say as a TV station so that was slightly different too and I now get the chance to approach weather slightly differently from the climate change angle, but at the same time, enjoy
0: enjoy a snowstorm every now and then. And Jeff, you actually had um, kind of a very public transition, I would say, where you're still doing forecasting and you're still working for television. But a lot of your conversations are about climate change these days. How did your story evolve?
2: Um, you know, it, it evolved from a few factors. One of them was need. My wife is from South Florida. She wanted to, to move up north. She's never lived out of South Florida. And at the same time, I started to develop a, a tremendous interest in climate change again, especially around 2015, 2016, when I, you, know, you saw the tremendous changes in the Arctic. Looking at, the, looking at that as a meteorologist, it's clearly a warning sign of what's to come, and, and and how things are changing very rapidly there, and and soon to follow the mid-latitudes, and it's already starting to happen here. So um, I also love to try to make a difference in the world if I can. Just about everything I do that I've done in television, I've always used television as a platform for, for philanthropy. So uh, there's there's you know there was really just a need I think at that point in my life for me to make a transition and to. Uh, and, and to move up here to New York, to, to go to Columbia University, to get my master's degree in climate change while I was trying my best to help the media in New York and specifically CBS to do more climate change stuff.
0: And how have you guys found that transition? Was it easy? Was it quick? I, I guess our stories are a little bit different here, too.
1: Uh, his being more recent, mine being. Six years ago may not seem that long. However, in the conversation of climate change communications, a lot has happened in those six years. So, I mean, I gave the quick overview of more my day to day life of the transition from television to this current job. But content wise is incredibly different, too. I mean, I, I can tell you, building upon some of what Jeff just said, that. Part of the reason I got so pulled into the television side of meteorology, not initially wanting to do that, quite honestly, was I wanted to connect with people and try and keep them safe when and how I could when it came to severe weather and extreme weather across the board. And I worked in many different markets across the country, the last one being Baltimore, but having spent time in Arkansas and Kentucky, so a range of different types of weather that I dealt with too. But... As my career progressed and as I got a little bit older and was learning more about this subject matter, it was really a compliment of a few different things, not just the subject itself, But coming over to Climate Central for this specific subject content of climate change and how we can advance our knowledge and our progress and our understanding of the science of climate change, that was a real drive for me because the more I understood about what Jeff was saying, that our weather is changing and it's really influenced by what's going on with the broad concept of of climate change. And we can get into many aspects of that, but the more I understood the more there, it was obvious there was work to be done. And so I was given this opportunity, which I'm very grateful for, to come to Climate Central and really sort of amplify voices not just my own on television, but working now with 680 TV meteorologists across the country and even some internationally, where we can help them understand the connections between what's going on in their community, what that means and what people can do about that and really try to get that information out to the public.
0: I can identify with so much of what you're talking about there, Bernadette. Personally, yes, helping people was absolutely why I became a meteorologist. It's what... I miss about being a local meteorologist. I miss having the conversations with people that you meet. I miss hearing about the needs that they have during a storm and then trying to convey that during that storm to help keep them safe. You know, my story is I I worked for the television network side of the Weather Channel most recently before coming to weather.com and the Weather Channel app. And pretty much my entire career, I would say, kind of had to fit within this box. You're working in live television and there's always just you have a you have a set rundown. You have this is what item you go to next. You have 35 seconds for this hit. You've got a minute for this. You've got consultants telling you it needs to be X, Y and Z. Your graphics have to look like this. And it was just so within a box. And I, I missed and wanted to do storytelling and about the environment and climate change, basically, which is why I ended up here and why I'm so glad that I have this podcast. But Jeff, you had kind of this very recent change or somewhat recent change. And people, I think, sometimes don't realize how hard change is. I mean, you're leaving what you know and trying something completely new. Did you find that exhilarating or challenging
2: I mean, I would say it was all those things, I mean, look, I left a big job. I was the chief meteorologist in South Florida, making very good money. And I decided, hey, why not spend tens of thousands of dollars on a master's degree at Columbia University and come <laughs> to New York with no job? My wife didn't have a job. I didn't have a job. But you know what? I mean, as funny as that sounds, it's also invigorating. It's also a chance to, to, to believe that you can be more than just one thing in life. Um, And also, there's a need. I mean, this is the biggest existential crisis that we have ever faced as humankind. And we need as many soldiers out there uh, doing our best to inform the public, educate the public, get them to realize how big of a problem this is becoming and is going to be in the future. And so for me, there wasn't really much of a choice, right? I mean, I could choose to just sail off into the sunset, make lots of money. But what am I really doing for the world then? So for me, it just wasn't a choice. I wanted to do something good for the world. Also do something good for my wife. She wanted to move to New York City. This is her number one dream. I think I'm her number three dream or something. Even then maybe chocolate. <laughs> On the list, at maybe least. Her husband. I, I, I made the <laughs> top three. They got the bronze. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, um, but, you know, for me, it was the right decision for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and now I'm here at CBS and I do weather and I do climate. I write articles for the web. I, you know, I do videos on climate change. I, I get to do a lot of a variety of stuff, which, to be honest with you, keeps me more interested than just doing one thing over and over. I felt like I was a little bit on a hamster wheel.
0: Oh, my gosh. Hamster wheel. I can identify with that completely.
2: Yeah.
0: It just felt like turning the crank.
2: Yeah. Just, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's best to get out of your box if you can. I, look, I don't have kids yet, so I, it's easier for me to do that a lot harder. And I knew it would get harder once my wife and I decided to have kids. I figured it's now or never. And I'm not a child. Uh, You know, I'm not very young. I won't tell you how old I am, but (laughs) it was. I'll tell you how old I am. I'm actually 43. So I did it literally in the middle of my life and probably the best earning years of my lifetime. But nevertheless, I still think it's worth it for the world.
0: You were touching on this a little bit about how uh, talking about the soldiers of the climate change communication and Bernadette was talking about this a second ago about how meteorologists really are such a great resource for that. But you also were talking about your experience in South Florida, the very same market that I was in. And I'm curious because... This admittedly has been a bit of my experience, if you've had the same one, where all of these people that you connect with in that community that you're in as a local meteorologist, and then you move on to talk about climate change, you go from, you know, talking mostly about the weather to talking mostly about climate on your social media profiles. Man, did I do I still have a lot of people saying this isn't your lane? You're a meteorologist. Don't talk to me about climate. Jeff, did you have a lot of South Florida folks feeling that way?
2: I haven't had people saying that, actually. People are not saying, stay in your lane. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure people might be thinking that. But I have had an interesting social media situation where I'm not picking up any more uh, likes on Facebook. Twitter, for me, has exploded. So it's been kind of a change. Um, and, yes, they're not the same people. You would think that the people who like weather would also be interested in climate change, but they're not the same people. It's a big challenge and um but no i haven't had people saying stay in your lane although i can only imagine they that at least some of them might be thinking that but i look at it as the same lane that's the thing it's the same lane i mean it's the atmosphere it, i'm an atmospheric scientist that's what my degree is in and what's happening is very much interconnected between the oceans and the atmosphere and land we're scientists are all connected until scientists figure out that we need to communicate. With each other as scientists and to the, uh, you know, to the general public, it's going to be very hard to bridge the gap on climate change. I'm
0: going to pause for just a second here for one of our recurring segments, Hot Mail. Not like what you used in college, but for comments coming in hot. Our first comment this week comes from Rich, and he says, everything has to go political. Now, Rich, are rising sea levels Democrats or Republicans? And what about the melting glaciers? independence, I assume. Listen, you're right. There's way too many people out there that are using the environment as a way to drum up votes. But the reality is that the climate is changing and humans are contributing to the problem. How do we fix it? Now that is where things really do get political. But facts are facts, dude. Our next one comes from Alice and it's actually a nice one. Thank you to weather.com for leading on climate reality and meteorology. Great job and history won't forget you or our kids. Thanks, Alice. It's kind of nice to hear nice things every once in a while, I have to say. And you bring up such a good point here. Our kids aren't going to forget. Whether we shout denials into the ether, take action to curb climate change or do nothing, our kids aren't going to forget. And neither will those history books. Just saying. Whenever you guys are thinking about those important ways of communicating the climate science because I think that's where we're at and what we see our role is. Maybe we take the information that these researchers are putting forth, we digest it and we regurgitate it as something maybe that the public can, can uh, better understand. Um, is there something that is the one thing that comes to mind whenever you think about like this is the clearest picture I can paint for someone on climate change. Jeff?
2: You know, it's such a tough situation. It's there's so many good stories to tell, I think. But we haven't done the best job over the past couple of decades in telling climate change stories. As I look around, I realize there are a lot of stories out there. Our job as scientists, obviously, involves science. Um, I'm not sure that science, I think it's necessary, and I think we need to make the connection. You know, For instance, this blizzard that just happened, we absolutely need to do that. And Climate Central has done an amazing job working with meteorologists on that. One of the reasons I'm here where I am today is because of Bernadette and because of Climate Central. They do amazing work. But I do think that, you know, the next step of this is telling the people's stories. And um, and you do that well, Kate. Um, the story that you did you. about uh, Lake Okeechobee a while back was amazing. Uh, and the algae bloom, because that is somewhat related to climate change. Um, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, And um, and but those are the stories that need to be told. Uh, You know, how is it affecting the farmer? How is it affecting the homeowner who lives near sea level? Um, And beyond that, who are the movers and shakers and and who's coming up with that groundbreaking solution, that tech, you know, product that's going to that's going to change our lives and revolutionize, you know, how we think about climate change. We need to learn to tell those better. How do we tell stories that really connect emotionally with people?
0: What about you, Bernadette? Do you have like a thing that you think really sinks in, a particular story or just topic?
1: Well, there's two ways I look at this. When trying to talk about the fundamentals of the science, there is one really simplistic way to do that. It's bringing it back to the greenhouse effect. We understand what those gases are. Well-established science going back hundreds of years, no one challenges that. We know we're putting more of them into the atmosphere and we know we can measure it. So it's really that simplistic when it comes to the science. It can get more complicated and as scientists, there's some really cool research going on that we can geek out about. However, when it comes to the science, I break it down to the absolute basic level of why we know. When it comes to talking about it in ways that matter to people, I don't think there's one simple answer. This is such an enormous issue at this point that has infiltrated so many aspects of people's lives that the advice I've given to TV meteorologists and journalists that we're working with now, too, is is a couple fold. It's one, first and foremost, connect with people where they are. in in ways that matter to them, whether it's a specific topic, a time of year, um, a level of conversation that they understand if they're a scientist or if they're not a scientist, how you talk about that. The second one is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk about this subject. You know, ask questions and have conversations with people because, when you keep it civil, you can actually have conversations with people about this. And do ask those questions. If you have questions, ask them. It'll go a long way. So that's really where I am with the conversation on the subject. And to to what Jeff is saying with telling stories, he's absolutely right that science is one part of this. And we at Climate Central try to offer those tools and the ideas and a stream of ideas to tell those stories. But you still have to tell a story to connect with people and this if we can get past this conversation of is it or is it not happening, which has really been settled decades ago, you know, it opens up a whole host of stories that we can talk about. I mean, this is an extreme weather story, as we cover through weather.com, and you do many times. But this is also, this is a water story. This is a food story. This is a backyard gardening story. This is a shifting ecosystem story, shifting season story. This is a health story. This is an economic story. This is a building story. This is an infrastructure story. This is a sports story. Look what we're looking at with some of our sports teams and with tennis right now, how they're having to change rules because too much heat during some of these events. This is a tourism story. This is a ways of life story. Whether you are someone that does dog sledding in Minnesota, this year has been a good year for you, but overall, you see a lot of changes, and you can't keep up with that way of life, whether you're a fisher men or woman, and you connect with a certain type of fish that you go out yearly with family, and that fish is just not in that same place at the same time of year anymore. So there are so many stories to be told, and those are the ones we're trying to help people tell.
0: And I, I have to say, you just so eloquently explained what I have discovered just Incidentally, every time that I have gone to tell a story that is my objective is to talk about the environmental disaster that's unfolding um, on any particular subject, it could be whales, it could be anything all comes back to climate change all of these things are being impacted it does it matter where you want to go on family trips you may not be able to go there in the near future as much as i have occasionally like tried to tell stories intentionally that are about the environment and not necessarily about climate change it's always intertwined it ends up in there in every one of these episodes of warming signs climate change is in there whether i intend it to be or not
2: you know, I like to say, uh, off of what Bernadette said, climate change is like an octopus. It has its tentacles everything. and everything. That's exactly what it is. It really is going to impact everything. What people, I think, don't quite get is the ramifications of destabilization. You know, the world, and United, especially in the United States right now, things are not that bad for most people. For some people, they are struggling. Think about what happens when you add all these extra added stressors, some of them due to climate change. How many more migrants you know, you're going to have, how many more refugees you're going to have, and, and how much more political strife you're going to have. And, and we're a secure nation in the United States. Imagine a country that's not, or, and so many of them aren't. People don't understand how fragile the fabric of our society is and how quickly it can, you know, it can fall apart. And that's why climate change is, is such a threat. Um, and I think if people could understand that, they would get the bigger picture. And as many people say, a threat
1: multiplier in that sense that not only talking about the fabric, but when things start coming at you more frequently, more intensely, we're only prepared to deal with so much. And that stresses our systems when we can't keep up with it. Just look at last year, two years ago, I should say, with the landfalling tropical systems, in addition to the wildfires. I mean, our response systems are really being pushed to their limits when it comes to something like that. On top of it, some of our own military are the first responders, and these are happening to their own homes while they're responding. And not even our military, our our emergency management across the country, are going through this too. So this is is pressing some limits that are pretty extreme that we're just going to see amplify as we go forward. But they're. I mean the impacts are extreme the the threats are huge but there are also opportunities within all of this and and there really are because as jeff has said this is the biggest challenge of our lifetime in but the thing is, we know how to solve this.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so it's, it's getting those stories out so that the public understands that part of it, too, so that we have an informed society. We know what our biggest emitters are. It's our energy system. It's our transportation system. It's agriculture. It's also our buildings and how we've constructed those to be. And there's a lot of advancements and opportunities for some of our brightest minds to shine and put their energy toward these issues to change things as we go forward. And then we can be a leader in this field, too. And that creates more jobs and more security going forward.
0: And on that note, that is kind of this optimistic tone. Is there, Vernette, what gives you hope? Is there something that's going on right now that really is encouraging you?
1: I sort of a split answer to that. What gives me hope is that on one level, we have to, because we're already seeing these impacts. And there are certain things that are fundamentally changed that that we can we can't fix at this point, that's the reality. But every 10th of a degree more matters. There's not some magical number. We talk about these goals of 1.5 degrees Celsius or two degrees Celsius as a global limit for warming and it's good to have goals, but every 10th of a degree is going to add more to those impacts, to our stressors. So we have to care. That's one thing that gives me hope. But the other thing is, some of what I just said that we know the issue we know what causes it and we already have a lot of the solutions in place we need to scale those and we really need to help our public understand what those solutions are and what can be done because I would argue the more people understand What can be done, the more supportive they're going to be of that. And so that's the kind of thing that we have this huge opportunity in the media to get these stories out and to inform our society. And that gives me hope because we know how to
0: solve this. What about you, Jeff? What gives you hope?
2: The kids. The younger generation see this differently. I'm virtually certain of it, and and there's research that supports that. We saw what happened with uh, Greta Thunberg in in Sweden and all the uh, American students that that walked out on Fridays uh, and striked. So these big kids' climate strikes give me hope. Also, the idea that The reason that we're in this predicament is because we've lost our connection to the earth. We've lost our connection to each other. We no longer understand what sustains us as humans. And if we can work together on climate change, wouldn't it be great if we solve the other problem, which is that we no longer have that connection, that we actually solidify and embolden our connection with each other and with earth again? So if we can solve climate change, if we because we're going to need to work together to do it, everyone's going to have to realize that we need to be in it together, that we actually, by working together, will rediscover this connection that we have to each other and to the earth that sustains us.
0: You guys, I can't thank you enough for telling some of your personal story and positivity at the end of this podcast. It's not all gloom and doom. There are <laughs> silver linings to those clouds.
2: There are. there are.
1: There definitely are. There are things that can be
0: done about this. Thank you guys so much. If people want more information, Jeff, where can they find your work?
2: So CBS News. I oftentimes will do CBS this morning on weekends or CBS Evening News on weekends. I I go to school during the week, uh, so a bit of juggling. But um, and and you can find me at Weather Prof on uh on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter. Just give me a shout. I'll, I'll get back to you.
0: Bernadette, yeah. what what? Where can people go for more information from Climate Central or from you personally? Sure. So
1: ClimateCentral.org is our website and our program Climate Matters that works with TV meteorologists and journalists creates a weekly flow of content that is freely available to anyone who wants to use it. Again, it's targeted at media But there are lots of NGOs out there and personal citizens who have used this information, and you can sign up to receive it on our website. If you go to climatecentral.org, click on the media library, and you can find all of that, and you can sign up there. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, I mean, we hit all the social media feeds, too. And personally, I'm at Bernadette Woods, and I always welcome a nice conversation.
0: I actually just realized I wasn't following you and just followed you. I don't know how that happened, Bernadette feel so bad okay thank (laughs) you thank you guys so much for joining me um and i can't wait to have you back maybe
2: well it's been great thank you kate
0: it's been a bit of a wild ride to end up where i am in my career today but i love that i get to have this podcast and talk to you guys and i would like it to be a conversation please talk back at me tweet at me if you go on my twitter you can see folks who have been conversing with me about warming signs I'm replying to let's have a conversation about it. I would love nothing more. So you can find me at weatherkate. That's at weather K A I T and I hope we can chat there. A huge thanks to the team, the production team here that makes this podcast a reality every single week from my brain to yours. I'll talk to you next Tuesday.